Why don't we take a minute and uh, stand, greet one another, and tell them, hey, well done. <laughs> I should have announced uh, we... All right, let's get back together. There'll be time for more fellowship after the service. I've been uh, been enjoying uh, this series uh, we're doing with uh, sermons by request, and and uh, because of that, we're we're just going to keep going for a little bit while longer. Um, I had someone ask me if it was too late to turn in a request, and it's not, but uh, at the same time, uh, this series is not going to go on indefinitely, so just a word of warning, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get to them all, but you never know if what you turn in might be something that uh, uh, will um, be presented here, so go ahead if you want, you can still do that. The request uh, that we're going to cover today reads this way, I've always wanted to hear a sermon on Romans 7, 14 through 25. And then this person went on to explain why they wanted a message on those verses. They said, I think a lot of people think that we're supposed to be perfect as Christians. This passage is just refreshing to know. So, let's turn to that passage, Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 14. And we'll see what it has to say about being perfect and maybe discover why it is that this person thought uh, this passage uh, was refreshing for them. Romans chapter 7, and we will read the entire passage, Romans uh, 7, starting at verse 14 through the end of the chapter. It says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I but if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin which dwells in me. 
For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am not doing the very, but if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that on the one hand I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin, and the first verse of Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for your presence with us, and we trust that even now as we look into your word, uh, your spirit will be free to work in hearts and minds to, uh, to change us, to transform us, to begin uh, to, to continue that process uh, that you have begun in us of making us like Jesus. So God, we just thank you for that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you uh, read and study the Bible, you qu we quickly come to realize that it uh, talks about three different uh, stages or, or maybe phases of behavior in the individual Christian's life. It talks about what we are right now, and it explains what we should be here on earth, and then also talks about what we will be someday in eternity. And, and I know some Christians, when they hear that phrase of what we will be someday in eternity, they, they think immediately on the physical level of the, of the new glorified bodies that we're, we're, we're going to get at that time when Jesus returns. 1 Corinthians 15 describes it this way. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality. Uh, that's going to be a great, great day when our bodies are, are made new and they actually function the way that God designed them to function and work. The aging and decaying process uh, that, that is active in our bodies right now will be done away with and, uh, and it will no longer be a problem and all physical weaknesses and ailments will finally uh, be taken away. And so that's just going to be an awesome time. But that's really not the main focus or emphasis that the Bible talks about or, or places when it talks about what we will be someday in the future. It focuses more on character, on the person that we will become. It's something that the Apostle John described for us in 1 John 3, 2 when he said, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet appeared uh, as yet what we shall be or will be. And I'm going to stop right there because uh, I, I want to make sure we understand uh, what it's saying so far in the verse. He starts by making that declaration that you are right now children of God. 
Now, there's a qualifying for, for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. The moment you do that, you are a child of God. You know, Romans 8.15 says that you've been adopted into His family. But even though you are right now that child of God, that final form of, of what we will be has yet to appear. Uh, there's another change that is coming that is yet to occur, occur for us. Uh, and the rest of then this verse uh, tells us about that change. It says, we know that when he, that's Jesus, appears, we will be like him. That's going to be that final stage. Someday, God is going to change us so that we will be in character just like Jesus. Romans 8.29 uh, makes this purpose of God very, very clear for us. It says, for those whom he, in this case, he being God the Father, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So the, so the Bible tells us uh, that's the plan. God's going to make us like Jesus, but that plan will not be fully and, and completely accomplished until that moment when Jesus Christ returns and, and we are all taken to heaven. And at that point, all our faults and failings and weaknesses and temptations and sin and, and all will be completely eliminated. Or to put it more in the positive way, we will love fully and perfectly as Jesus Christ loves us. A wrong word will, will never come out of our mouths a falsehood will never escape your lips your your relationship with others will be unblemished and flawless we will experience that that never-ending perfection of joy and peace and satisfaction and, and contentment and fulfillment that's what we will be someday that that's what we are looking forward to but the bible also talks about what we are right now um, and it speaks about what we should be as children of God right now. And, and what we should be is really what we're going to be someday. I mean, that's where all the commands concerning our behavior come into play. As you read through the New Testament, you see all those things that it tells us to do. Right now, we should only speak the truth to one another. Only good things should come out of our mouth that build up and encourage for the edification of others. We should only do those things that build strong and positive of relationships with one another. Uh, the fact of the matter is we should be right now, but we will be someday. That's what God is calling for us as believers. But then the Bible also recognizes that third aspect or stage of our behavior, and that is the reality of what we are right now. And the Bible makes it clear that what we are right now falls far, far short of what we should be and what we will be someday. There's a huge change coming that we, we just got done talking about, and I can say, thank goodness for that change. How about you, right? I mean, I, you know, there, there really is nothing quite so sweet as, as good Christian fellowship right now and those, those bonding relationships that we can have with one another right now. But, but the reality is, I mean, if, if this is as good as it gets, if, if there wasn't something better yet coming, I would be more than just a little bit disappointed. How about you? Right? 
And the reason I'd be disappointed is because we are so far from perfect right now. I mean, we know, or at least we have a, a pretty decent picture uh, uh, because of the life of Jesus that we can read in Scripture, what we will be someday. If you've read the Bible very much, uh, you know what we should be right now because you've come across all of those various commands that it gives to us. But seeing those things and, and knowing those things does not change the fact that what we are right here and now is a far cry from what we should be or what we will be. So now does that mean that somehow God messed up when, when he saved us that, or, or maybe that we're not really Christians since we still uh, continue to struggle with sin? Does it mean that if we follow Christ, we're just plain rotten at it because, you know, we still fail? No, it, it doesn't mean any of those things. It means that we need to come to grips with and understand the truth that living and growing and making, uh, maturing as, as a Christ follower is a process. You, you don't get saved and then instantly become what you should be or who you will be. There's an ongoing process of change and with that, an ongoing struggle between what you are right now and what you should be as a Christian. And that struggle is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7 in the passage we read there. Speaking as a believer. Here's Paul speaking about himself as a believer. In fact, as a, as a, a pastor, as a missionary, as a leader in the, in the church, right? Uh, as a guy who wants to do the right thing, but somehow finds himself blowing it time after time anyway. And listen, I mean, think about, hear the anguish in his heart as he's describing this, this struggle. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For I practice, I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. You don't have to raise your hand here, but have you ever found yourself in that same position? I mean, I know, I know I'm there. I'm in the same boat as the Apostle Paul, as all of us. And, and Paul goes on to describe this struggle as, as this ongoing battle between the flesh and, and the spirit. And you'll notice in the passages that he talks about the law of God and, and the law of sin. And, and so he says in his spirit, in, in his mind, his heart's true desire is to faithfully follow the law of God. That's what he wants in his life. And, and we know the law of God is all those things uh, that we should be as Christians, those, those commands that we are given to follow. And, and, and it's summed up, Easily enough, in, in, in one basic statement that's recorded for us in Galatians chapter 5, when it tells us, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That, that's doing the whole law. And if that seems a little nebulous to you, well, I don't, you know, what exactly does it mean to love our neighbor? The, well, Paul gave a bit more detail in the book of Romans, and he says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So how many of you can say that's really what you want in life? 
You, you want to love your neighbor. You want to treat other people well. You want to do what's right, to be honest, to be pure, to, to be faithful, to be kind, to be generous, to be, be all those things uh, that we know according to the Bible that we should be. In your inner man, in your spirit, in your mind, you can emphatically declare along with Paul, that's what I want. That's what I want to be doing. But unfortunately, there's another law at work in our lives called the law of sin. And this is what pulls us to do wrong. And that's why, just like the Apostle Paul, you can end up doing the very thing that you hate. See, both those laws, the law of God and the law of sin, are active in the Christian's life. And that's why we're not perfect. I mean, have you ever thought about why it is that the perception is even out there that Christians are supposed to be perfect? Where did, where did that come from? Well, I, I'm sure there's a, a number of different factors that are involved, but I, I think one of the main reasons is because we as Christians have somehow espoused the idea that if you're a good Christian person, that means you have it all together and you don't struggle with sin anymore. And, and since we all want to be good Christians, right, well, then that leads to the idea that we need to at least project the image that we do, in fact, have it all together. So when we get together, instead of being honest and real with each other, we pretend that we're perfect. We, we hide the struggle and say that everything is fine. Maybe not perfect, because, you know, we'd all admit that, well, nobody's perfect, but we'd say it's just minor things in my life, just, you know, just little things that we have to work on. But the truth is, we're all in process. We're all still fighting against that sin tendency in our flesh. And, and this is true no matter how long you've been a Christian or how much you've grown in your faith. I mean, if you would think that anybody, anybody in this world had reached that pinnacle of spiritual perfection, it would be the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, just one example, by the time that he wrote the letter to the Philippians, he had been passionately following Jesus Christ for over 30 years. And, and the guy, uh, he spent three years in the Arabian desert, just him and God, receiving direct revelation from God for the scripture that he wrote. He, he studied God's word. He meditated on it. He prayed for hours on end. He was inspired to write Scripture. I mean, certainly, if anybody had it all together, if anybody could have claimed that he had reached that point of perfection, it would have been him. But he says of himself, that's not the case. I mean, he wrote in, in the book of Philippians, after 30 years of following Jesus, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. He admitted, hey, I'm not there. I'm not perfect yet. Furthermore, he actually knew that obtaining perfection is really not even possible this side of heaven. As long as we're still living in this sin-wracked world, we will face temptations. And because we are in these bodies of flesh that are weak, we will sometimes fail. 
Remember, Jesus uh, reminded Peter, you, you know, Peter, you know, the guy who thought that he was ready to follow Jesus all the way to death and then denied him three times in, in a row. He got, Jesus reminded him, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, have you ever experienced that truth in your life? I know I have. The spirit is definitely willing. You know the right thing to do. You want to do the right thing, but instead you find yourself in whatever set of circumstances and the temptation seems to get the better of you and, and the next thing you know, you fail. The flesh is weak. And, and I think it's so important that we recognize this truth as, as individual Christians and as a church. The reality is this is where we are right now as followers of Christ. We are not what we will be or even what we should be. So what exactly are we? Well, we're followers who are learning to be like Jesus. We are in process. And in that process, we sometimes stumble and trip and fall and maybe even act rebelliously. And one of the big problems, I think, in so many churches one of the things that gives us a bad reputation with those outside is that we pretend that that's not the way it is. And I think we need to change that and, and be honest about where we're at. Uh, unfortunately, it's a whole lot more comfortable and a lot easier to show up to church with, you know, that plastic smiley face on and, and then act as, we got it, as if we got it all together. You know, what, me? Oh, yeah, no, no problems here. No problems in my life. Everything's fine. And I, I know that that happens because I've been there and done that and sometimes still do. We pretend that we don't have any struggles with temptation or that we never give in to the weakness of the flesh or that we never give in to our own selfishness. And, and it's really not even only in sin areas it, it, that we do this. We, we want to put on a false front and pretend that as Christians we never have marital problems, never have any struggles with our kids, that, oh yeah, financially everything's all together. We, we, we just don't have any problems. We want to project the image that everything is okay. I'm saying it's really about time that we learn to be honest with one another, that we can admit our faults and our struggles and our failures because the reality is not one of us in this room is perfect and not one of us in this room will be perfect until we get to heaven. So we can admit that we do, in fact, mess up. We do s or say stupid things that damage our relationships. Every now and then, we might get just a little testy. Things aren't perfect in our own world. And that's what the Apostle Paul was admitting when he says, not that I have already obtained it or I've already become perfect. However, and this is incredibly important for us to get, he didn't let that fact that he isn't perfect 
won't be perfect until Jesus returns. He didn't let that fact become an excuse to be content with where he was. In, in fact, uh, we need to understand that just because we're, we're not perfect, uh, that is never an excuse to give in to sin. Instead, we need to have that same heart and that same attitude that Paul displayed as he kept going there in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, in the rest of verse 12, I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. He admits, hey, yeah, I'm not here. I'm not where I should be. I'm not, I'm not what, what is there, but I keep pressing on towards that goal. And, and that whole laid hold of and, and all that kind of stuff can get a little bit confusing. Helps me to think of it in reverse order. What, for what purpose were we laid hold of by Christ Jesus? Uh, well, what was God's plan for us? We, we saw that earlier, right, in Romans 8, 29. God's plan is to conform us to the image of his son. So basically, all Paul is saying right there is, is that I'm pressing on to become more like Jesus because I know God's plan for me is to make me like Jesus. That, that's really what he's saying. It was, it was an awareness that he wasn't what he should be, but it drove Paul to keep pressing on in his Christian life to move towards that goal. He admitted, uh, I, I'm not okay yet. But that doesn't mean it was an excuse to stay that way. And that's what verses 13 and 14 mean, uh, are talking about as you keep moving on in that passage. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said he's pressing on. And, and, that, and that Greek word that's translated pressing on is actually an athletic term for running or actually, uh, it, it, to be more precise, for chasing. It's a specific word for chasing. It, it, it's for pursuing something. And I think the Apostle Paul must have been a, a, a real uh, sports fan because he used a lot of sports metaphors I I in the Bible and, and as his illustrations. I mean, he, he spoke of uh, working out like a boxer and, and wrestling, and, and uh, it seems like his favorite uh, metaphor, though, seems to be running. And, and I'm guessing the reason for that is, is simply because he wasn't aware of the NFL yet. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure his favorite would have been football. But... But as it is, uh, it, it's running. And the point is, he says he is, he is running, he's pursuing, he is chasing after the goal that God has for him, which is to become like Jesus Christ. And if that sounds like work to you, it is. It can often include the hard work of confessing sin, of turning away from it, of finding help and accountability from others with our walk with Jesus. I mean, have you ever noticed in your own life how frustrating it can be to be what you are rather than what you should be? But there's a great deal of comfort in the fact that you're not alone. Not one of us is what we should be yet. 
we're all somewhere on that trajectory of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And, and, and as you're on that trajectory, there may be some that are farther ahead than you, and there may be some that are behind you, and there'll be others walking right near or beside you. But for all of us, we're on that trajectory that is pointing to Jesus Christ. And we're called to be here for one another to help each other on that journey. And I believe that requires us being honest and, and real with each other. Now, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean I, I think we're supposed to all stand up in church and start publicly confessing all our sins and airing our dirty laundry in front of everybody. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. What it does mean, though, is that you need to find some fellow believers with whom you can be totally honest. People with whom you can pour out your hearts and lay bare your souls and, and, and rather than condemn you or kick you when you're down, they'll help you stand, encourage you to walk, point you to the love and grace of Jesus Christ who alone has the power to actually transform our lives. We need to find people like that. that. That's one of the reasons why I think a group like Celebrate Recovery can be so important. It's a small group that is specifically designed as a, a place to find safe relationships where you can be honest and open about where you are right now. It meets here on, on Thursday nights at the church and it's open to anybody and everybody. And you can find help to take the next step. Just one more step towards becoming like Jesus. That's what true fellowship, that's what that interaction of honesty and authentic, authenticity means for one another. Let me take one more step. And, and then maybe another step a little later on. And step by step, we can walk with one another becoming more like Christ. So do you, do you have someone, preferably a, a couple of someones, a small group of believers that hopefully would include at least one person who is more mature in their faith than you that, that you can be totally honest with? At least one other person. Because see, if you truly desire to experience God's transforming grace in, in those areas of your life that are, that are negatively impacted from hurts and hang-ups and habits brought about by not yet being perfect, well, God designed that to take place in the context of real relationships with His people. And, and you see, we work at it by being honest, by being open and authentic with one another. But then we rely on God to be the one to transform us. That's why Paul ended this, this whole section in Romans where he was talking about this struggle of, uh, of not being what he wanted to be with these verses. Wretched man that I am. That's the struggle part, right? That, that's the failing part. Why, why do I do that? Why did I 
go there. Wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's our hope. That's our security. We work, but it is God through Jesus Christ who does the transforming of our lives. And, and He's going to take us from where we are and keep moving us towards where we should be until that day when we become what He's promised we will all be. Let's pray. Father God, in this world where we're so fearful of what other people will think of us, it's, it's really hard to be honest. In this culture where we have somehow set up the idea that we should all have it together as good Christians, we forget that where we really are is in the middle of the battle and that none of us has reached that point of perfection. So God, help us to be honest enough to find people to be honest with so that we can continue to grow in the way that you've designed us to grow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.